please welcome now Seema, our speaker for tonight, who will share her experience, strength, and hope about relapse and recovery for 15 minutes. Thank you, Seema. Five, five, and five, please. Five, five, five. Please. I feel a little bit like I'm auditioning for America's Got Talent, but I have to remind, <laughs> I have to remind myself this is not about me. This is about all of you, and including me, which is a big, big, important part of my recovery. Um, that I'm on the, I'm in the same group as you are. I'm not separate, judging myself or all of you. So I never bring notes. My friends know that, but I have one thing that I want to read that um, I shared at Intergroup in last winter when we presented there about this 12-step within focus. The diversity of experience that, 12 step within, that the 12-step within focus fosters has enabled many people to enjoy full recovery in OA who might not otherwise have been able to do so. I am one of those people, and 12-step within as well as OA saved my life. Um, and I don't just, and then I'll put the notes, because they're not helpful um, after that. I got into OA in 1978. I had been binging and vomiting and starving myself since 1967. Um, I was not a compulsive overeater first. That came later when I was trying to stop, in, stop throwing up. But, um, yeah, I came in here, I came into this program, oh wait, 1978, after I'd been binging and throwing up and starving for 11 years. And I was absolutely miserable. I, I mean, we all know what misery is, right? I mean, this is a, an addiction program, we all know that. I was so miserable, it was beyond words. And I really, OA didn't exist when I was in high school and college. It was started shortly thereafter. So I didn't know there was any remedy, and I was just resigned to either finding a way to kill myself, which I tried twice, didn't work, didn't want to try it again, or learning to live with how horrible I felt. So um, I came to OA in here in San Francisco in 1978. Um, it was a lesbian gay meeting out at Garden Sullivan Hospital, which no longer exists. And the guy who was speaking was this huge, huge, I don't mean huge, fat, like, but huge, tall, muscular Texan. He owned a ranch. There couldn't have been more that I could think of that would be different for me than his story would be. And I was crying by the end of his story, totally in tears and totally identifying with what he was talking about. Um, and since then, I have left away, come back, left and then finally came back for good. You will all believe this. I won't say you won't, but when I, the reason I left away the first time is my sponsor told me it was absolutely essential that I stop eating peanut butter. And I absolutely, I told her I'd rather, I'd rather be fat than stop eating peanut butter. And I really thought I meant that. And I came back a year later um, because I was screaming at myself in the mirror. I couldn't stand the pain. So, um, and OA originally, for me, I won't, I'm, this is just my opinion, but for me, the black and white strictness of gray sheet didn't work. It worked for many of my friends, and it was a blessing to many, and still is, to many people in this program. But that thing I read at the beginning about the diversity of experience, I tried over and over and over again, and it wasn't from lack of trying, 
to become abstinent, and I could not become abstinent for years and years and years. I could not become abstinent with NOA for more than, I would always make it to like 28, I could sometimes make it to 28 days, and then phew. Um, but the trying to make it black and white did not work for me because that felt like restricting, and I knew how to do that really well <coughs> until I took the first extra bite, in which case it was like, oh shit, I'm gonna get fat. And then I went just blahooey and just ate everything I could and then threw up. So um, I didn't know if even OA was ever gonna help. And um, I felt a lot of shame great deal of shame and my life was very painful. And I have to say that my life was very painful and I felt a great deal of shame before I ever got to OA. So for me, it's not just the compulsive, the compulsive eating became about the shame and fear and pain that I couldn't allow myself to feel from growing up in a crazy family. Um, so I thought it was all about the food. And you know how you hear people say in this program, it's not about the food. It is about the food, folks, until it isn't. I mean, as far as I know, right? And it's about both. It's always continued to be about both. But fortunately, it has become about all the things I suppressed because I couldn't bear them. Um, it was in 1981 or two or three, I don't remember exactly when, that I ran into a woman I knew from a cafe where I worked. Um, and she just started talking to me about OA. And I have no idea why she did that, because I had been out of the rooms for a year or two um, and never went to any meetings, many meetings anyway. And so we, thanks, we started talking about it. And she told me, she said, you know, there's this new group in OA. It's called 12 Step Within. I said, what's that? She said, we should come to a meeting. And she told me what it meant, just what David read in the mission. OK, I'll try it. And I went, and I was in shock. There were a few people, some of you in this room, actually, who were at the first 12-step within meeting I had, that I went to, who had been in OA with me when I started in 1978, who had been really, like, thin, 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 which is what I loved, who were no longer thin, thin, thin. And they were in OA, and they were having a meeting where they were laughing with people, and they were continuing in their recovery, whether they were miserable or not. And that started, that started a little nudging in my brain about there's another way to do this. I didn't take to the 12-step within program right away because it was, I don't know, because I didn't like being in a way. I didn't like being around people. I was awkward. I didn't like being a compulsive eater, thrower-upper, anorexic. I didn't like any of it, so I didn't really want to be here. But it did get to the point where it got so bad that I came back Anyway, um, I had an anorexic relapse, and then I had a bulimic relapse coming out of the anorexic relapse, and all of this when I was um, severely anemic and very, very, very weakened after a major surgery. So I went a little nuts. I went pretty nuts. I it was kind of like a breakdown, a food breakdown, but it was more than that. It was the stuff that was coming through that I had used the food to push away. And the stuff was coming through anyway, um, which wasn't supposed to happen. So from then on, I've come regularly. Um, at first, just from desperation, because I figured it can't get any worse than this. 
and I just can never manage to kill myself, so I'm going to have to live with this. And it was really, it's a really scary prospect to live feeling as miserable as I was feeling, never feeling a part of anything, never ever being able to make close friends because I was afraid of intimacy, all that stuff. But I kept coming and I kept coming. And I kept coming and I kept coming and I kept coming. And um, I started meeting people. Um, I started looking up when I was in meetings is what it is. Instead of there, I was looking up. Oh, people, okay. Um, I started getting a little bit more comfortable with some people. Um, what else do I wanna say about that? I actually, at one point, I did get abstinent. I have to say, I did get abstinent. And my abstinence did not then and does not now look like anybody else's that I know. Um, my first abstinence was no throwing up, no matter what. If I ate three chickens, two gallons of ice cream, and all the spaghetti in, that a bathtub could hold in one day, and if I kept it down, I was abstinent which of course was unheard of in the OA I came into, and I wasn't even really that thrilled with it, but it was different. It meant that I could get through that day, wake up the next day without, because even I didn't think throwing up was the problem, because in fact that was, thank goodness I got that food out of me, but I knew in some way that it wasn't good for me, and I didn't feel good afterwards. And I slowly started putting together one day, two days, three months. I put together four years and three months worth of abstinence, which I really thought I had died and gone to heaven. That was for me the most amazing miracle. It didn't, I was, wasn't happy my, in my life because I was I'm kind of normally pretty depressed and afraid of people, so, <laughs> but it made me so hope. It made me feel so hopeful that some things could be different and that I could have a different life. And then I relapsed. Um, now, all of my life before this first four years had been relapsed. I had never gotten much abstinence. So, but after four years and three months, I went out for two weeks. And then it was like, okay, let's, let's stop doing this. Let's really stop doing this. I'm getting too old for this. And I had to put through together another four years. And then I relapsed for one day. Um, and I had friends in program telling me, some friends in program telling me, you don't have to call it a relapse. You can call it a slip. It's like, I don't think I'd better do that. <laughs> what I have learned in program is that if I'm not honest about my stuff, my food really talks to me. Um, because whatever it is I'm being honest about is about stuff I don't want to feel. I mean, all the stuff I didn't want to feel, it's coming out. It's coming out through my pores. It's coming out all the time to me. It doesn't, I don't know if it shows to other people, but... And if I, say, if I say something that isn't so, then I have to eat. I feel like I have to eat because I need to make up for the lie. And I realized in this program that lying was not only not good for me, it was painful. And I had enough pain, so I've been working on honesty. Okay, so then I, after that, I put together four years and a half more. So that's like already almost 13 years of almost complete abstinence except for a few relapses. Um, and all the time that that was happening, I was in going to 12th Step within a committee meeting week, uh, monthly and really starting to feel companionship there. 
I was starting to feel companionship in the rest of the program as well, but in 12 Step Within, it really didn't matter what I ate. The eating was not the issue. I could just be me. And I've been on that committee now for about three or four years. And we do great work. We work well together. I actually started after probably year two actually opening my mouth at the meetings and saying some things. And now I say a lot of things. Um, and then last January, I had another relapse. And it's like, what? But this is relapse and recovery, right? This is 12th step within. So, so you know what? I didn't even feel that bad about it. I felt I didn't feel ashamed. I felt regret. I'm not saying that any of us should not should go. Oh, great! I relapsed. Now this is an opportunity to learn some new stuff. <laughs> I didn't do that. Um, but I did say, you know what? I bet if I just don't do that again and start my food plan, just start on my food plan tomorrow. I will be fine. And the, not having the shame and not having pain around the shame. The pain, a lot of my pain has been internal pain. It's been pain because I think I'm stupid, I'm ugly, I'm not truthful. Everything I say is wrong. Um, nothing I can do is right. All this stuff, all these voices in my head. And so that was removing one of those voices from my head. And it was like, I can relapse and I still, still be OK. Um, and so that was last January, and I've been abstinent since then, which allows me to speak at this meeting. Um, we don't have abstinence requirements for speakers at the 12 Step Within meetings, which I think is gorgeous. It's just gorgeous. Um, we want people speaking to have some experience with the program and some experience with recovery, but they don't have to have been so a certain amount of time. And it's not for everybody, but it definitely was for me. I also found a food plan that worked for me in OA, in 12 in Step Within, because not throwing up is a great bottom line to have if you're a bulimic. It is the only way to be black and white, as far as I can tell, for me in this program. You're either throwing up or you're not. But I needed a little bit more compassion for myself around the kind of food I was eating and the amount of food I was eating, and the fact that I was still eating my feelings. As I'm not really high on the spontaneous feeling list. It's still a lot of work. I saw a couple of people today um, here at the country club speaking. I assumed that they were sponsor, sponsee. And one of them was crying. And it's like, wow, what it would take for me to cry in, in, for, with another person would be a whole level of experience that I'm just starting to get to know. So to sum up, because I know that David's going to give me the time to stop. Um, I want to say what OA has given me. OA has given me an opportunity, finally, I'm 68 years old. If this had gone on till I died, I would, have, I would have died with such regret in my life that I had done nothing but binge and throw up, that it would have been unbearable. And I don't have to do that. <laughs> so what I got was, um, I have a life today that feels like a person's life. I don't feel like a piece of cardboard, two-dimensional. I don't feel like an outsider everywhere I go. I don't feel like I'm lying all the time. I'm not afraid of food. I'm afraid of some foods, I have to. Um, and I'm careful with them, but I'm not afraid to eat. Um, what else? I have a dog. I wanted a dog for so long in my life. It was so essential. And I got a dog. She's my second dog, actually, Josie. And I've had her for 10 and a half years. 
And she loves me the way I cannot love myself. Truly does. And I love her the way I cannot love myself. I mean, in these rooms, I get, I'm finally able to take in the love. If you saw me when I walked in here 30, 40, 30 years ago, you would never believe it was the same person. I mean, I don't, didn't look the same. Um, but I'm not the same. Um, I can love this being, and that makes me realize I can love other people, even if I don't feel it in a fierce way or in a way that shows a lot. I know now that I love people, and I'm part of this family. Um, okay, I'll wrap up. So I have being part of a group and feeling like one, of, one among many. Um, snowflakes are all different. Each one is different, but they're all snowflakes, and that's kind of how I feel about being here. Um, I'm learning to love. I'm learning to sit still with other people and sit with the discomfort. I'm learning to sit with the discomfort when I go to reach for something that I know is not on my food. Not that it's not on my food plan, but it's a time of eating that I don't normally eat. And I go to for it, and I think, oh, I want to eat my sorrow. I feel like eating my pain. Once I've said that, it's really hard to go for the food. Um, I would say don't try it if you're brand new, but <laughs> you know, I've been around for a number of years. But it really got me when I first noticed that. What else have I gotten? I got to be part of a committee that put this together so that I could see all, these, all of you in this room, very diverse group of people with different experiences. And I no longer feel like I'm auditioning for America's <laughs> Got Talent, which is a good thing because I'm not, it's not an audition, this is service. I wanted to do it because I wanted to pass on what I've I feel joyful when I speak at a meeting, and I, don't, I haven't felt joyful very often in my life. And it's amazing that I can feel this with you all, being part of you, and also that I have something to give. So I have to be quiet now, and um, thank you so much for coming.